Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 18 of Rapid Reviews Radio. We are legal now. Drinking <laughs> <Freaking> ice. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy week. So how have you been? I am older. Yes. Yes, I want um, to say a happy birthday to you. Thank You're you. live on uh, air. <laughs> yep, I am older and definitely not wiser. <laughs> but let's get on with the show, shall we? Yes. Yes, because we have a lot to talk about. It's going to be fun. We do indeed. Fun. So... We are missing one thing, though. What's that? My name is Pete Beckett, oh and you are highly wild. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so you guys should know out there, we're again recording late at night. <laughs> Well, evening. Kylie's, well, Kylie's not drunk this I'm time. I'm not drunk so. this time at all. Uh, nope. Yep. Uh, well, I've got coffee in me, but that's it. <laughs> yeah, coffee at 7 o'clock is a bad idea, it's though. It's a very bad idea. Uh, um, yeah, so we're I mean, recording still, late again. <laughs> yeah, I usually stop drinking tea at 5, but yeah. I, had to, I got my big cup out. Yeah, but to be fair, it's a good reason why we're recording on a Monday night. Uh, yes, which well. Which Pete will be telling us about soon because he went to the uh movies as we say in america the cinema as you guys say over here <laughs> yes i went i went to a talkie yes <laughs> a talkie <laughs> at the nickelodeon <laughs> <laughs> yes so should we talk about it briefly now yeah let's do it now yeah because i'm dying i'm i'm so curious i just want to yeah. go i went to go and see the sonic movie Ooh. on friday did you go fast to get there <laughs> No, I went surprisingly slow. <laughs> I took my time. <laughs> so how how was it? How was it? Tell us tell us what you can. Um to anyone that follows me on social media at Pete Beckett one, um will may should. know a small bit of what I feel about it, but mm. I'll give a very brief non spoiler review. Yes. Fun for all the family. Oh, I like it. It's not it's not high art. Mm-hmm. Well, it, but it yeah. was never expected to be. Yeah. It was, it was an hour and a half of just good fun, and it exceeded my expectations. Oh. I thought this was going to be an utter train wreck, but yeah. it was actually watchable. Oh, that's very good. I'm I'm extremely glad to hear that. Yeah. I've hoping you know since since that first terrible terrible poster. Uh, teaser dropped yep. uh, I was like no it's gonna it's gonna pull out it's gonna be good it's gonna be good it has to <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, well you'll be happy to know that it is at least watchable and there are a couple of quite good gags in it as well which is always nice very good and uh, uh, fan favorite Jim Carrey is he on full form <laughs> he's back to rubber face Jim Carrey which oh, is always yes. nice yes that's my favorite Jim Carrey. <laughs> he, he's not the best part of the movie, like it, a lot of people have said. Right. Uh, I think that the um, the dynamic between the the police officer Tom and mm-hmm. Sonic himself is actually a very good one. Oh, that's good. They, that's very good. They play off each other very well, and I really liked that. Plus, 
you can tell that they really respected the source material that is in a something... massive way it was, yeah. there's so many good easter eggs oh, references good. and great nods uh, I won't go into too many details about spoiler ones mm -hmm. but a piece of music that they used at the beginning <sighs> made me very happy Oh man, no! Well, no, uh, well, it, it doesn't really matter anyway. But they used hyper potions from Sonic Mania, and I was, oh, I was nice. just sat there. Dro I dropped my jaw to the floor. It was <laughs> like, have they really just put hyper potions in here? Oh my god! Oh, that's great. That's very. It was good. so good. So good. Ah, I'm uh, very glad to hear that. I definitely want to see that. That is on my list for sure. Yeah, you should definitely go and see it if you can. Like I said, it is only an hour and a half. Um, I will warn people, um, there's a five minute credit sequence or mm -hmm. maybe less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. Amazingly well done credits, by the way. Oh, right. Okay. But there is a scene after that. So you should stick around. Excellent. Excellent. Good to know. So you don't have to wait until the very, very, very last bit of the credits. So oh, good. You... Okay. Yeah. So you know, they're not marvelizing this at all. Yeah. That's very good. Excellent. Yeah. But huh. should we move on to some news? Yeah. Let's hit the news. Yeah, so it's, it, I'm going to say it's been a slow week this week. Been a bit yeah. of a horrible one. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we've got a story here that's actually going to tie into our topic later on, in a way. But mm -hmm. it also does sort of uh, go into our news from last week about Platinum Games, because... Mm -hmm. Uh, developer Quantic Dream, uh, known for their games such as Heavy Rain, Beyond Two Souls, and yeah. Detroit Become Human, yes, are now self-publishing. Yeah, um, I find that incredibly very interesting. Um, just because, I mean, and like I said, you know, we're going to talk more about this uh, during the topic, but um, mm -hmm. it 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 seems to be something that's happening with some frequency that it will be interesting to see. I, I really, I want this to work. I want this to work yeah. because I feel like it, when things are creator owned, I think that they have better quality. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, you, you've seen this go down the route of a couple of companies, like we said mm -hmm. with Platinum last week. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the Kickstarter for wonderful 101 and yep. they had the investment from 10 cent to be able to start self-publishing their own games yes um i think gone are the days now where big companies like ea ubisoft and activision are basically running the ruling yeah. the roost yeah. over uh properties. smaller developers mm -hmm. and properties mm -hmm. uh so companies like bullfrog over the years that got oh, shut down yeah. because they weren't meeting yeah. expectations from ea i think that's oh. now going to be a thing of the past I that? think we'll see a lot more companies now with the mm -hmm. the embracing of things like Kickstarter uh, will now probably lead to much more importance on self-publishing. Yeah, um, I'm I'm quite pleased about that because uh, there does seem to be a kind of um, it's it's almost a monopoly over like all media right now um, with you know Disney buying up everyone <laughs> yeah everyone um and then you know kind of the same was turning with games with ea buying up every property it could get its hands on um mm -hmm. and you know and then of course the music industry has long been under that kind of uh restriction um so a lot of artists yep. were 
again restricted so mostly sony yeah well yeah exactly um so it's really uh, good to see that i i want to see self-publishing happen because yeah um, even in we'll talk about self-publishing as a writer um there are only six publishing companies they're called the big six yeah, um, HarperCollins, uh, Penguin are uh-huh. two of them at least. Yeah, that's the two big, big, big ones. Um, Penguin owns more than you could ever imagine. Um, they I'm even, not surprised by that. Yeah, they own presses that you would swear up and down were indie presses, but they're not. <clears throat> so, uh, basically, you have to know someone in those industries to even get a break. There's very rarely a, a J.K. Rowling break or, uh, you know, any of those. Those are super rare uh, yeah. stories. Um, so you, ca- you have to know someone, uh, which limits the talent pool. You're leaving a lot of talented writers out in the cold. Yeah. And uh, so self-publishing in the writing world kind of kicked off about 10 years ago with Amazon uh, being one of the big supporters of it. Yeah, and of course. A lot of people, the you know, they've they've turned full careers out of being self-publishers. So I like to see this kind of domino effect hitting all the industries. Um, and I, yeah. I like it. I think, I mean, I'll save some of this for the, the actual topic, but I like this return to... Um, creator the creators owning their properties and i do as well yeah absolutely i don't think i don't see this as a bad thing really i see this as only beneficial for those companies Mm -hmm. so long as they're able to have you know the right revenue come in for it to be published their next game exactly obviously gonna bankrupt themselves by pub by self-publishing their first Mm -hmm. venture and then go into the ground basically i really don't want to see that sort of thing so if we see a few thing a few companies smaller companies embracing kickstarter to fund their games like we have done over the last couple of years Mm -hmm. i don't see that as a bad thing because it 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 sort of helps with the fans as well to get interested Mm -hmm. in a property to be able to you know get in at the base level absolutely and you get that real-time feedback of what people want you know, yeah. uh, you don't have to guess there because they're they're telling you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then they're, they're not just telling you; they're throwing their money at Ex- you. Exactly, exactly. Voting with their wallet or whatever the saying is. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I'm not going to talk about that fry meme. <laughs> uh, yeah, take my money. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. <laughs> okay. So that that one was quite interesting. I thought, you know, yeah. I know not everyone really respects David Cage that much because he is a bit of a hack writer, and uh, in I'm, my opinion, personally, I was going to say I'm one of one of those people. I I'm sorry. I know we've probably got some fans out there of his stuff. I don't know that we've ever actually discussed it. Uh, no, I don't think I, we've we've you and I have touched on it lightly on other previous episodes but um i think so yeah but i mean overall i haven't seen much discussion of it but uh neither of us are big fans and uh and yeah for me it's strictly he i mean he's he is a hack he has he has a formula that he follows (laughs) yeah um uh, for me like like his games or quantic dreams games are just not my kind of thing they're They're very story driven which i quite like but the like, stories are really quite badly written, to be honest. Yeah, 
to be fair, my very favorite version of, of I'll say his stuff is uh, the the YouTuber, uh, which uh, Pete knows is probably my favorite, which is Call Me Kevin. Uh, of course. He, he likes to take those and pick all of the wrong options. And oh, it's, it's hilarious. It is hilarious. Oh, of course. Because you can't lose those games. You can't, you can tell your, you know, whichever character uh, you're being. It's kind of like um, uh, Telltale Games as well, which he does the same yeah. thing. Uh, you can't lose them. Um, you just maybe don't get the optimal, you know, cutscene or whatever. But uh, no. so it's funny you might not to get watch that. Exactly what you want out of it, but they exactly. sort of. It sort of leads you down a particular yeah. path. Yeah, they they hold your hand the whole way, uh, which is not my not my cup of tea. But I I respect anyone else that that does enjoy that. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll move on to the next uh, minor but major top uh, <laughs> discussion point. Yeah. Because it it's a a minor five minute video that blew up the internet. <laughs> minor. I like how you say that. <laughs> What minor. what minor five minor in terms of five minute five video? Minute. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's very so. To anyone excited about Final Fantasy VII remake, Woo-hoo. which is pretty much all of us here. Yes, yes, very much. Um, Square Enix posted the opening cinematic to the game. <sighs> yes, they did. The beautiful five odd minute. Oh yes. Beautiful movie that they they released, mm-hmm. and they have. It, They've done exactly what they've said on the tin. Yes. They've expanded everything. Because this... We were discussing this off-air beforehand. Mm -hmm. This opening sequence lasted no more than two minutes originally. That's right. In the original game. Mm -hmm. But they've made this a five-minute thing where you see a lot more of of the world Mm -hmm. itself, not just Midgar. Yep. Um, you get a lot more detail in in the streets themselves. Mm -hmm. A lot more happens with Aerith. You know, she... uh, is it Ares or Aerith? I've never known. It it depends on which country. Uh, I believe that, um, and I might have this reversed, but I think in America we called her Aerith, and then over here it was Ares. I think. I I think it's spelled Aerith, so I'm gonna. St- yeah. I'll stick with Aerith because I think that's correct. For some reason, um, that's how I have it in my head, so that's what I yeah. stick with. Yeah. I, okay, we'll stick with that anyway. So Aerith, um, she's walking through. Um, the area, I believe, is Sector Five. Uh, I was going to say Sector Seven, say sector but five. yeah, the yeah. I want to say Sector Five, but I could be completely wrong with that. Um, but you can still see a lot of the details that were there, like the Loveless sign and yeah. stuff like that. Um, her her flowers get trod on, which is really quite disappointing. Yes. That never happened originally. Uh, not quite like that. Uh, no, no, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But, um, I have to say one of the, my favorite parts of it was that redone score. Oh gosh. Oh, wow. It sent the tingles. It's completely, it's beautiful. it's beautiful. It's enhanced. It's filled out. If that makes sense. They've, yeah. Ah, it was already beautiful I, anyway. I mean, we cannot fault mm, it. It was beautiful. But yeah. now they've it, they've grown it up, I guess. I guess is the best way to put it. Well, uh, I would say the best way to put it probably was the way that I discussed this with someone on YouTube. Mm-hmm. When they released the um, the battle music for mm-hmm. Final yeah. Fantasy VII Remake, yeah. um, we obviously used that in mm-hmm. a previous episode to make things a bit more hype yep. with our game of the decade discussion. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
so I posted this on YouTube. Someone said, oh, this is so much better than the chiptune soundtrack we got years ago. I basically yeah. said, this is... I, I can't say that for sure, but this is, I think this is probably what Nobu yeah. wanted to do back then, but just couldn't because of limitations. Yeah. So this is finally realising full scale and scope of what he envisioned. To be fair, I thought, now correct me if I'm wrong, um, I thought chiptunes really were more of your 8-bit and 16-bit. It is. I mean, I just use chip tune just as a as a oh, loose okay, term, but they it. were MIDI files. They were yeah. MIDI files. Yeah, you know, because uh, the PS One couldn't handle nerd. much. No, I couldn't. Yeah, of course. I just it, it, using no. it as a broad term more than anything there. Yeah. Um, it's but yeah, the MIDI files stunning. don't ha- don't stand out too well <laughs> when they're outside of the game. Unfortunately, that's true. That's true. Um, so, think, but yeah. this one does sound oh. like it could be something you could listen to constantly. I know I have. I oh yeah. Think. Yeah, I yeah. Because I think someone's posted up some music that goes across the whole entire demo, right. which still hasn't been released yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm a bit. They've got to be tweaking. I'm it. a bit wary to actually want to listen to that. I can, I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I might just save it and experience it yeah. as, as it is, like in the game, and I, then go back and listen to it after. See, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at that position myself whereas i am so hungry for final fantasy 7 remake stuff but i also mm-hmm. i don't want it drip fed to me if that makes sense yeah of course i feel like it's gonna nah i just want to experience it like old school like just sure. at once yeah exactly because mm. um, a lot of like a lot of movie trailers are doing that now where they just basically play the entire movie and you know yeah a trailer i I don't like that at all. I don't either. It's weird. I don't know why that trend started even. Not but, sure. Yeah, but um, so I'm kind of that way with games as well. It's like I don't want to know everything, even though, duh, I do know everything about Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> there won't yeah, be any like spoilers or surprises, but at the same time, I want the experience itself to be kind of a fully fledged at yeah. once thing. I guess. Look. I think that's where where you might be wrong. I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a fair few things that we won't know about going into this that, because they're they're intriguing. trying to expand the game, and this is apparently only part one. That's true. So that's true. and they they're trying to make this into a full sixty eighty hour experience in just oh. Midgar alone. So I there's going to be a lot we don't know. I think oh, additions to the story. You know, mm-hmm. they might even if. I, I'm going to say if we're lucky, if we're unlucky, mm-hmm. I would say, we might get some stuff that integrates stuff to do with Crisis Core and Dirge mm-hmm. of Cerberus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which, <sighs> please don't do that. I know, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, if they can kind of, I don't know. I was going to say gel it all together, but I don't know how you would. I just don't know how you would. Yeah, just just don't do anything to do with Advent <laughs> Children. No. Like, no, it's let's just crazy. let's just forget that even existed. Yeah. Oh God, couldn't believe I was so disappointed. I think I said this on last week's show, but it, I'm still so disappointed from years ago when uh, I was so excited because uh, all of the Final Fantasy from seven to X <clears throat> and X two, yeah. um, I love their cutscenes. That's why I just became nuts about it because it was very anime like and it was very cinematic yeah. it was just beautiful and stunning so when you know they're like oh we're doing a full 
three D movie of you know Final Fantasy seven characters. I was like, yes, that's awesome. Yeah. And it was. Terrible. I was hyped as all hell. Yeah. To then find out I wasn't going to be able to watch it anywhere apart from the stupid UMD on the PSP. Uh it's it was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> mm. uh, but it's in yeah. the past, and we're on cool. to bigger and better things uh, with the remake yeah. coming out. So yes, exactly. So we'll move on from this news because we won't. I don't want to nergasm too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I at least want to be able to still know I'm alive before uh, April. Yes, exactly. So we'll we'll move on to our controversial news topic of the week. Yes. Which happens to involve Pokemon again. Of course. Not a surprise the, there. The controversy keeps coming with that game. I don't understand. Anyway, this one came out from both Game Freak and Nintendo this week. Mm-hmm. That they have... Um, identified the outlet responsible for leaking images of the Pokedex for Sword and Shield. Yeah, which was kind but of unusually, mm-hmm. they named them in the official document. <laughs> in the statement, they named the outlet. Mm-hmm. Shall we name them? Shall I we, think we should Because it's public knowledge? Yeah, it's public knowledge. Yeah, yeah. it's a publication, a Portuguese publication mm-hmm. called F Nintendo. <laughs> Which is really bad. (laughs) (laughs) No, the weird thing Uh, is, apparently they've been doing stuff with Nintendo for about 10 years. Oh, wow. So, uh, it's a bit weird that they didn't check the sources and go, F Nintendo? Yeah, that's fine. Yep, yep. But I do wonder if they they publicly stated them uh, as a way to kind of... I don't know, like sick the the community on them, you know, kind of. As I don't a think defensive so. Nah, you don't think? Okay, I don't. Okay. I don't think that's the case. Um, if we know what the the internet is like, <laughs> there would be a few hate mobs out there that probably would have gone after them with their uh, their proverbial pitchforks and right. torches. Yeah. Um, I think they did. Uh, possibly or D- <laughs> DDoS. Or DDoS, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Either one um, of those are both good. <laughs> yep. Or or just plain old Twitter rage. Or that, yes. That also works. As well. That does work. <laughs> um I think they did this uh to make an example out of them. Ah oh, yes. To basically put the fear yeah. of God into um into other people Anybody and go else. Whoa, yeah. if they're gonna name outlets now, we probably shouldn't do this. Yeah, I think you're right. Oh, so, yeah, and, absolutely. And to be fair, the, they've cut ties with them completely. Yeah, and as they, you would. That they won't get anything else from Nintendo. <laughs> uh, apparently, it was a freelancer who'd done this, and they tried to throw that oh. freelancer under the bus. Oh, But dear. all of F Nintendo got completely done by this. Well, they they knowingly released it, whether it's a freelancer or not. Well, oh. it does state in employment contracts anyway, especially with... Um, um, oh, what's it? Embargoes and mm-hmm. um, uh, stuff like that. It does state that even a freelancer mm-hmm. can uh, can it is representing your company. Yes, that's right. So it's perfectly within their rights to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, sorry, it's the um, and the NDAs, the non-disclosure yes. agreements. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was talking about, thinking yeah. about. So it would yeah. have been in their NDA that 
uh, even a freelancer can get done for this sort of thing, even though they might not officially be on the books. Mm-hmm. So, but they are representing the outlet. I mean, we're freelancers exactly. technically. Yeah. yeah. Rapid reviews. Absolutely. I've, I have worked on a game that had an embargo as oh, well. Yes, I have as well. And uh, the NDA for it was quite strict. Yeah. Absolutely. So if I would have released any images of that, I would have got absolutely blacklisted from everywhere. Yeah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally don't want to mention the company because mm-hmm. um, I don't want... Because NDAs are a normal thing. Oh, if you yeah, know anything absolutely. about like reviewers, outlets and all that sort of thing, they might give given a game a couple of weeks ahead of time and they mm-hmm. just can't release anything until a certain time mm-hmm. there'll be stuff in there to do with spoilers and stuff like that you you just you, you're better off just signing reading the document signing it knowing exactly what you're going to come up against and just hold fire until you know exactly what you can do and at, at a certain time mm-hmm. just don't bother leaking anything because it's it's only going to screw over your career exactly oh i just it's not worth it it's not worth it <laughs> no definitely not no but it will always happen. There will always be people oh, yeah. that are hungry, hungry for news and hungry for that five minutes of internet fame that they'll get by putting an image out there. Exactly. Um, anyone in the Game of Thrones fandom knows well <laughs> how the leaks go. Ugh, God. Don't I know that? Because I know I pretty much know everything about seasons one to seven without ever watching that show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Annoyingly. Yep. 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 Oh, hate leakers. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are quite annoying. Yeah. Um, apparently, one of our previous guests, Doctor Virtual, got mm-hmm. Sonic spoiled for him at 24 oh, hours before no. seeing it. Oh. Yeah, he was so mad about it. I don't think I've ever seen him so mad on Twitter. Oh, I would be absolutely uh, upset too. I hate spoilers. I hate them. Um, yeah. I, I. It's weird because even even as a kid, uh, you know, like we were all reading R.L. Stein books and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, yeah. like the Fear Street or... I think it was called something else over here. I have a bunch upstairs. Um, yeah. But they were called Fear Street back uh, in, in... Back uh, home. Yeah, back home. Uh, uh, R.O. Stein, that would be um, Goosebumps then. Oh. Well, before... It, it was around that time, but it was for the little bit older than Goosebumps. Like the oh, right. 12, 13-year-olds. It was Horror something? Horror Street? Something. I didn't remember. But, um, but anyway... So, like, we were all reading them in school, and we were trading and all this kind of stuff. And um, I would notice that, like, certain sets of my friends would flip to the back of the book and read the last, like, you know, two or three pages. Yeah. And then start at the beginning. They were like, well, I just want to know how it ends. Uh, you know, so Why I'm not wasting my that? time. Yeah, exactly. And I was like... I was like horrified at the, just the idea of because the part, for me yeah for me the joy is the discovery and the you know I love yeah. surprises in in cinema and well in any media really so oh, of course uh, but there is there is a just section of humanity that they like to know what they're getting into uh, before they step foot into their uh, entertainment so that's yeah so weird so to me. Uh, so upon a bit of investigation <laughs> yes. it was Fear Street. So it was, was it Fear Street over here too? Yeah. Oh. According to Wikipedia, so I'm not going to go into whether or not it definitely was here, but that's according to it over here and uh, onto that anyway. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, the only time that I have ever done the flicking to the end of the book Mm -hmm. 
was the Da Vinci Code because that was a pile <sighs> of a um, pile book. of terribleness. Oh, so yeah, so I just wanted to know what what the worst part of the whole thing was, and that was just happened to be the ending. Ugh, just... I did read the whole book after that. I don't know I how you like, did it. I... Right, I want to know. I want to know why it got to this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I could see that, but I mean, even the the it, they're, it's just so poorly written, um, like sentence fragments. Like, I, and, ugh. Yeah, I don't read that often. I find it very hard to stay uh, interested in books. Yeah, no, uh, which I get is why that. I tend to I, I tend to listen to audio books a lot. Yeah, more absolutely. I I enjoy the stories. I just can't focus mm-hmm. myself enough to want to no, read. No, I get that. I get that. But, the sh- the very short and poorly written chapters were uh, probably the best thing about <laughs> she got <laughs> yeah i have to say uh <laughs> yeah i have to say that that yeah 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 because i i'm i'm one of those people who reads to the end of the chapter and then you know does something else you know puts it away for yeah. a bit and, and then come back to the next chapter um that's, yeah that's fair yeah so stuff like that i do kind of like it when they're shorter because then i can you know Hurry up and yeah, you just go blast through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, um, that was the thing. So I would read like three or four chapters. It was like, wow, I've oh, read yeah. so much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god. So, all right. So, so yeah, that's gonna cover us for the news this week. Well, that takes us. Short, that was a slow week. It yeah, it's slow week, and uh, I think after all the excitement of a birthday weekend and Sonic. <laughs> You yeah. know, we're just kind of taking it down, being easy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on a on a small piece of Sonic-related news, sure. just to add this one briefly in there, um, it is the highest performing four-day um, four-day total of any yeah. video game movie so far. I saw that, um, and of course, I, I think in our list of future topics, we are going to be talking about um, you know, like video game movies and television <laughs> shows. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can't deny if Sonic becomes a major hit along with the Witcher series, um, you know, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more video games in our, uh, multimedia. I think we will. I definitely do. I think that'd be good in a way because, uh, we kind of touched on it last week, but how video games are still the last bastion of it's very underrepresented and it's very stereotyped um whereas like comic books and stuff like that isn't so much now because of the uh success of like you know the marvel universe and all of that yeah yeah Yeah, that's kind of elevated it you know comic-con san diego comic-con's become a you know must attend event because movie stars go there now um yeah so you know it we may see the same thing with uh, video games over the next while, but we'll talk about that more <laughs> when, oh, when that topic comes up. Um, that, that is a topic worthy for mm-hmm. dissection in a future Absolutely. episode. Yeah. Um, All right. So now we move to our next section, which is our two minute, not ever two minute section called you got this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, if you've been following my Twitter, first of all, you poor, poor soul, <laughs> um, then you would see that, uh, well, like today, one thing that I did was um, the house that I, I bought last year is what you call a time capsule house. And that mm. means that 
this particular one was built by a Canadian <laughs> in uh, uh, like the late 60s, early 70s. And yep. the couple that he built it for owned the house the entire time until they passed away. And then I bought it. So everything in it is exactly as it was, which is good and yeah. bad. <laughs> but uh, because I love the uh, what's called the brutalist and the modernist style of architecture and, and decorating, um, and that's how my yep. house is done, uh, then I'm kind of bringing in pieces of art and you know various types of things from that time period. Well, yeah. um, I managed to find a very nice uh, vase. Well, I guess it's more like a jug. It's pottery. Um, yeah. And I got it for a fraction of what it was worth. Um, let's say it was probably worth about 40 quid. I got it for like two, <laughs> which is my favorite thing to do ever. Um, but when it arrived, they didn't package it right. And it was... Oh, dear absolutely smashed and in several oh, no. ridiculously tiny pieces <laughs> i uh was was sad i mean i was sad more for the loss of the artwork because it's handmade somebody made that you know in like 1968 oh, oh, that's yeah. such... and, wow that's disappointing yeah so that that got me more than the value because like i said i was only out like you know two or three quid it, it, yeah, that wasn't a big deal. But the idea that, you know, someone made this with their hands and, you know, it's just just beautiful piece of art. Well, I got angry at first for about two seconds. And then, because um, I never stay yep. angry for long at any time. Uh, and I was like, you know what? No. Let's, uh, let's see what I can do with some all-purpose glue <laughs> and see if I can put it back yeah. together. Uh, there are pictures on my Twitter if you if you check that out. Uh, anyone that's listening to this, but um, before and after, but uh, it took about an hour, but I got it back yep. together. And the excellent weird thing that happened was, I was angry when I saw it smashed, and then as I was yep. putting it together or putting it back together, I got to see some of the details that I would have missed had I just taken it out, dusted it, and put it up. Um, yeah. there, there's small little little imperfections and small little details, and the more I pieced this back together, I, I just really found an appreciation for it. And then by the time it was all back together, yep. you really couldn't tell it was broke. Um, like you could walk up to it and you could, you could see a, a, a little, you know, crack here and there, but kind of added to it. Um, and then when I set it down, like my anger just poof disappeared. Um, and oh, cool. yeah. And I was like, I really, I really like this. And I, it actually, I like it better than if it had arrived you know, fully intact. It's a weird thing for me yeah. to process. But then it made me think. It gave you a project. It gave me a project, which I love. Um, but it also made me think, um, I don't know how much I've shared on this program or not, but yeah, I'm free about everything. I'm free and open. You can ask me anything at any time. <laughs> but one thing that happened is uh, about, I would say about 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with a auto, an autoimmune disease. Um, yeah. And... Part of that 
autoimmune disease. Well, my skin attacks itself. And uh, one way to kind of fight against that or to combat it is to have large, large (laughs) swaths of skin removed. Uh, It's called a a wide excision. And uh, so I had about five years ago, I started a round of surgeries. And I had about eight surgeries, and I still have one more in the future. But um, they cut chunks out of me. I mean, they did. They had to. Um, it was yeah. painful. It was a bad recovery, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I do remember the first time I looked at myself in the mirror after getting out of surgery where I could get up and walk. And yep. it was it was scary looking. Um, was it kind of like Freddy Krueger? It was like a, it was exactly like Freddy Krueger. Um, and then uh, one side was left open, which is like uh, mm. I've always compared it to hamburger meat. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and then the other side had a skin graft, which is the side that looked like Freddy Krueger, like identical. Yeah. Um, and the healing was kind of hard and, and, you know, it was rough, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, two years later, I'm given a, you know, you can leave the hospital and return to your life. I was yeah. scarred from top of my arms down to my legs. Um, because when they do a, when they do a skin graft, they have to, they, you can use your own skin. So they took the skin from my leg and put it on my arm. Yeah, um, they usually use like an area that's not yeah. that use, is it? Yeah, so. like, well, yeah, because even if I wore shorts, you probably couldn't see much of it, um, especially okay. now it's starting to fade. But um, but yeah, yeah, when they first did it, it looked like bacon slices. <laughs> <laughs> and um, well, I hope you mean streaky bacon. Yeah, yeah, streaky bacon. That's what I mean. American, yeah, American, American bacon. bacon. And uh yeah, it was. I was like, oh, I, I, I took bunches of pictures because I was just fascinated, but I didn't want to gross people out. But I did post one and said, "Mmm, yeah. bacon." <laughs> <laughs> All my nurse friends started laughing, but everybody else was horrified. But anyway, but the point. Okay. Yeah, back to, to my point. Um, when I returned to the gym after being two years out, I was yep. hugely overweight. Um, because I hadn't moved in two years, and well, all I ate—it's gonna be quite was, hard to when your legs uh, look like streaky bacon. Yeah, yeah. Like I couldn't really, I couldn't use them properly, and couldn't use my arms. My uh, muscles had frozen up. The uh, the PT, yeah. the therapist, physical therapist, she was like, "Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you you were so close to losing complete use of you know one of your arms and one of your legs." I was like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I returned back to my life, and I started back at the gym, this time CrossFit. Um, and I remember I went there, and I was, it's, I don't have any sweat glands. That was part of the uh, yeah surgery was they removed my sweat glands, primary sweat glands. So that means I couldn't mm-hmm. wear a t-shirt in the gym because I would overheat. So I had yeah. to wear what's called a vest over here, but we call it a tank top. Um and I had hideous scars. The scars go from my shoulders all the way down to my elbows and um, and then oh, down my sides. Yeah, and I was like, I mean, what's gonna happen? Am I gonna 
show up and freak everybody out, you know? And I, yeah. I had the doubts and everything, but I just kind of sucked it up and said, you know what? We're just going to go do it. So what? I don't care. Um, and then, yeah, before long, um, I was back to uh, weightlifting uh, over my head, which was amazing. And then uh, working on pull-ups, which just... Oh, it's just amazing, like, to think that I couldn't use my arms and then all of a sudden I was, you know, on my way to you know, being able to do pull-ups again. Um, yeah. Oh, you were back. I was back, yeah. <laughs> and um, and there's pictures of me that, that they took, uh, not just of me, they took take them of everybody, but, and I saw yeah. my scars and I was like, I wasn't embarrassed of them. I saw them. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, they suck, and yeah, they look weird, but I overcame something that not a lot of people do. Um, so then I had this weird kind of restructuring process where I became kind of proud of them. And it's very akin yeah. to how I felt with this uh, this pottery jug. <laughs> and then, as one of my friends reminded me, that uh, in... Japan, there is a form form of art that is called uh, kintsugi or kintsukuri. Y'all have to forgive mm -hmm. me. I can't even speak English, so forgive me if I totally ba bo uh, botched that. But that is specifically the Japanese art of repairing broken pottery by mending the areas of breakage with gold or silver. Yeah, I've seen mm -hmm. that before. It's a really interesting art. It is. That they do and it actually adds value to their uh, to their exactly. pottery by doing it. That's the key phrase you just said. So for this week's you got this. It does not matter how broken or how scarred you are. Um just like my uh my pottery jug became more beautiful to me because I put it back together and I saw the intricacies that weren't, I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, yeah. Or even like uh, me being able to, to lift over my head is more gratifying because I'm scarred. So this week is about shifting your focus. If you're broken, if you're scarred, that increases your value. It doesn't decrease it by any means. Um, and that's yeah. really, really uh, what you should should focus on scars are they're a physical thing they don't they don't represent anything that's inside of you and no never ever even emotional traumatic scars don't let them hold you back um so and this week going forward just think you've you may be broken but you've increased your value <laughs> through that brokenness so i wondered where you were going with that That's, but that was really interesting yeah i knew i was gonna was have good. to wind it back yeah no it was, no that was good that was really good <laughs> yeah um you said, I just, that, that was a that was, that was a roller coaster of a ride there I, <laughs> Yeah, going yeah. up the hill there and i was like what, what are we doing where are we here? going, where are we going? Yeah. Said, oh there we go there we go <laughs> Fail. Yeah, it, it it was it was uh it was very interesting this morning sitting there looking at that yeah. jug. It's uh I bet. Yeah, yeah, it, it's very cool. So I do I want everyone out there to never feel less than um ever. Um because you're not. And um right. as always, 
you know, you got this and we're here if you need to talk. Always. Always. Definitely. Yeah. There have yeah. been a couple of people who've utilized that over the last week and <sighs> they have. That's been in, that has been interesting to discuss a few things with other people about what's going on in their world and sometimes just an outside perspective can mm-hmm. give you a little bit of balance and a bit of clarity to think if I'm overreacting about something you might be you might not be who knows doesn't matter yeah. you know whatever your problem is you know you whatever way you find is the best way to deal with it deal with it yeah you know, exactly exactly get, if you need help you need help so be it you know you can't there isn't everyone doesn't always have the answers not right. everyone is we're all fumbling like, perfect in this. yeah exactly yeah and you know we're all we're all falling apart like a poor piece of pottery yes that's right you that's know? right so we'll 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 help put each other back together yes and it'll be uh more valuable afterwards <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah hopefully yes no, definitely. Well, <laughs> well, hopefully, as long as you're not using rubber cement. Yeah, okay, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll get on. We'll get on to our main topic for yes. this week, show, which is yes, going to yes, be yes. about uh, crowdfunding and crowdsourcing games. Yes. This was obviously based on mm-hmm. uh, Platinum Games' recent Kickstarter, where they have, oh. as the time of recording, just going to bring up the Kickstarter page. Mm-hmm. It's currently at just under one point three million pounds wow. for Wonderful One Hundred One, which is still crazy to me. That it, it really is. Oh, it literally just jumped up as I was talking. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, what like what do you feel could be the importance of crowdfunding games? I. I think kind of harkening back to what I was saying earlier about self-publishing. There's a lot of um, control <clears throat> that is wrested back from the large, you know, publishers if yeah. you go down a route of uh, self-publishing. And there's a lot of games mm-hmm. out there that they won't get made otherwise because they're either not yeah. seen as money makers or, you know, they can't market them. Ugh. That's a... Uh, one thing that I used to get told a lot uh, in the early days of, of being a writer is you're you're too hard to market. Um, we can't find a market for you. Yeah, and I've heard that a lot when it comes to certain games as mm-hmm. well. That there is no market for this one. This yeah. one won't sell well and stuff along those lines. And I've always thought that's a cop out for it them is. to not invest money. Yes, it's a big cop out because I can tell you right now. In the various forms of uh, media that I've been involved in, there is an audience and a market for everything. <laughs> everything. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I mean, for goodness <clears throat> sakes, there's an there's a market for um, hentai. Yeah, that's exactly true. That's very true. That's not very marketable. And that wouldn't be mainstream still, marketable, still, but I bet it makes a lot. No, of but money. it's still marketable to uh, to <laughs> that demographic. That's what they're not looking at. Is they're not exactly. looking at subsections of people that are mm-hmm. very interested in that kind of thing will um uh one of the things that i was discussing over the last couple of weeks was to do with the uh the niche value of a game called tokyo mirage sessions yes yes where obviously that has had a re-release on the switch and still mm-hmm. hasn't sold kind of what everyone was thinking it would do mm-hmm. um 
but that's obviously they were catering just for that particular market itself. They knew who they were marketing the game to. Yes. They knew that it probably wasn't going to sell to your general mass market, mm-hmm. but they still put it out there. They still spent the money on it. And yeah. those people who are obviously in that that niche demographic were obviously very happy with what they got. Mm-hmm. So there is a market for everybody. There so for a company is. to turn around and go this isn't marketable, this won't be profitable. No, it's a lie, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely, we look well, at, a terrible excuse, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But you, like to swing this on the other hand, mm-hmm. there obviously are people who are massively rich and invest money to make more money. So yeah. I can kind of appreciate that if you are investing a large sum of money, you're going to want to see a return for your investment. As a business person, I think you of all, of all people say, would understand that. Well, I mean, I'll even take it down to a very small scale. Uh, my company, uh, I have an opportunity uh, ever so often to look at new products that are available to uh, people like me, to printers. Um, yeah. And I have to evaluate, you know, is this going to make me money or am I going to lose money or is this just going to fade into obscurity? Um <laughs> Probably my weirdest successful thing <clears throat> is mm-hmm. air fresheners. Uh, custom that is weird. printed air fresheners, which just, it still cracks me up to this day because I thought, eh, I'll take a little gamble. And I I bought a, a, a load, uh, just a, I don't know, I think it was like six sheets um, of these things. Yeah. And I'll just do a test and I'll make a funny, silly ad to go with it. it yep blew up out of nowhere i couldn't have even predicted it um i made almost triple my money back on the investment that's crazy yeah and uh i usually work using intuition um when it comes to business decisions and i'm glad that i went with that because my logic said don't don't buy air fresheners nobody wants stupid air fresheners um and then I turned around and I ended up selling it to, uh, oh, what is that? Aromatherapy? Those people that use oils? Yeah. Anyway, uh, they ended up being my biggest customer base that I didn't even know existed. So. Nice. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of the same with games, you know? Like, you just, there is there is a customer base out there for everything. You just have to find them. Um, and then yeah, of course. Yeah, and that and that's the thing when you're you're selling more niche things uh, like the Tokyo Mirage uh, sessions. When someone invests in that, as a as a uh, as someone enjoying it, not as a business investing in it, but as a you know, yeah, then they're probably going to, going to invest for life because it's a niche market and there isn't much out there. Sure. So that you're going to have that return customer. Um, and that oh yeah of course and i i as a business person i like those people better because you can count on that money being there as opposed to throwing something out there and just seeing who you know might take a bite at it you know what i mean Uh, and never knowing yeah Mm, i think it's once you put things out to a general mass market it can be a bit of a hit and miss sort of game can't Mm -hmm. it it can absolutely yeah but if you're specifically marketing it to that niche uh consumer base then yeah. you know you can sort of guarantee at least 90 percent of your sales exactly um exactly and that's you know that's called a uh, you know like a controlled risk um 
tightening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I hear that a lot in business yeah. when it comes to because um, I, I work in insurance. I yes. sort of, oh, I, gosh, I hear yeah. about risk and <laughs> actuarial risks quite a lot, and it's yeah. quite annoying. Exactly, exactly. But obviously, every business, uh, where, no matter how small or big, will have that level of risk and mm-hmm. that level oh, of, yes. you know, that, mm-hmm. that level of degree of how much money do they want to invest on something that's not going to sell. I mean, you look at, we'll look at Nintendo, obviously, mm-hmm. over the years. Like, they've, they've made some pretty dangerous, risky moves over the years. <laughs> yes. With some of their consoles and mm-hmm. some of their their but some of them have really paid off obviously they have you know um you know the virtual boy is quite a (laughs) quite a failure on their part yeah um i know everyone wants to rag on the wii u quite a lot but i mean that was marketed uh that wasn't really very well marketed unfortunately and the 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 name itself just didn't give a lot of strong impressions really yeah um but actually, if you look back on it, like it was clearly, it was a, it was a, a half step, really, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. In what oh, they yeah. wanted to do for the future, it was yeah. con, it was a concept, yes, that they put out there. And I mean, obviously, car manufacturers will put car, uh, concept mm-hmm. cars out there that won't usually ever see the light of day, apart yeah. from one or two. I love concept they, cars. <laughs> so, so do I. Yeah, but they. The problem is that Nintendo produced 13 million concept yeah. consoles. That just uh, they they produced a lot and it didn't work out well for them. But look at how well it's paid dividends with the Switch because exactly. they managed to actually get the te- the technology available mm-hmm. mu- like to them for a much better price, yeah. a much better rate, and works uh, functionally a lot better. And yeah. that's proven that with their 50 plus million sales of that console. Absolutely. So they've tripled the amount of what the Wii U has done and more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, you know, everyone always forgets as well, like the amount of money that they invested into the N64 and it only sold probably about 30 odd million units. Yeah. Which is why it's quite hard to, to come across now when it's uh in the retro game uh market it's quite expensive yeah it um it is and <clears throat> actually i think we even have do we have uh, yeah we do have a, a listener question later that kind of touches on that um well touches on yeah what i want to say about that um and yeah sure so i mean but to bring this back to to crowdsourcing so yeah. Uh, crowdfunding, I don't know, what do you think? It started about 10, 15 years ago? Um, it's been going on for a fair while. When, I can't say exactly when it started. There was something, uh, oh, what was it called? I, I, I would, a friend of mine had a podcast called The Film Talk. And um, yep. he, one of their uh, sponsors was this new uh Thing. It might have been Patreon. I don't know, but it, you know, we're talking. We're we're going back here. Um, yeah. And he was like, "Oh, you know, if you have an idea, you go up there, you present this idea on on this online thing, and then you see if you get backers." I remember when that first yeah. happened. I I was actually very against that because um, yep. it it just I just didn't fit my idea of what business should be. Um, which sure. Is, has now evolved quite dramatically um as i've just you know been in business um so i remember hearing of that and then 
it wasn't long after that you heard of like one of the first movies to be uh, crowdsourced, uh, which is like a yeah. Veronica Mars movie or something like that. Uh, I'm actually glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. yes, that was one of the very first movie-based Kickstarters out there, right. and it was because the creator really wanted to make a new Veronica Mars, but no, um, yeah. no studio wanted to touch it with a barge pole. Yes, right, exactly. Um, I don't know how that evolved. Like, I don't know if it was successful or not. Oh, the movie came out. Did it? Okay. Um, it did. Did it do well? That shows. Well, I think that shows how well it did because well, you didn't yeah, know. It I mean, out. Well, yeah. But to be <laughs> fair, I didn't watch. I didn't watch the Veronica Mars show because I. I'm not I didn't either. I'm not good at TV unless it's cartoons. <laughs> yes. Or involves Matt groaning, except for that latest fiasco. Um. <laughs> Do you mean disenchantment? Yes. <laughs> um, disenchantment should get dysentery. Oh yes. Ah oh, yes. We'll save that for our Matt Green yeah. podcast. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, going back to the the crowdfunding. Um, yeah. So and then of course the natural evolution after that was video games. Um, of course. I think there was a lot of apps that were crowdsourced, crowdfunded, um, uh, whether successful or not. I, I don't know. For me, there's been a lot more misses than hits. Um, and then... There's been a huge amount of games that have been crowdsourced over the years. Yeah. Uh, the first one I remember is uh, one that you and I have talked about. Um, I just never really paid attention until the crew, the ukulele crew, uh, did their thing. Yeah. That's all the uh, rare Platonic. people. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, platonic and and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, God, that was in 2017. That wasn't that long ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That's strange oh. to think. And they've had a second game come out like, yeah. uh, last year. Yeah, that's crazy. Which, but... I mean, I mean, considering ukulele did, you know, in terms of we're gonna we're going to talk numbers here in yeah. english pounds because that's oh, yeah, what we're, yeah. we're going by here yeah um ukulele made t- just over two million pounds wow <laughs> which is unbelievable wow um it, it clearly showed that there were a lot of people out there who were absolutely really excited about the prospect of a new 3d mm-hmm. platformer that was very much akin to banjo kazooie yeah by the people who had split off from rare to yeah. make their own company so from basically we'll call the original developers yes yeah um so it was a, a, a you know a new property new characters new sort of thing like that and it looked promising mm-hmm. it looked very promising in fact definitely what, what we got was a bit of a mess though yes <laughs> um uh, now, yeah. for our research, I did go and play ukulele a little bit. <laughs> okay, for research? <laughs> well, it's on Game Pass. Yes, yes it is. Uh, what, what, what are your... It's not... Mm-hmm. It's not great. It's, it's really not. not great. It's not. <laughs> no, it's such a shame. They have made some vast improvements over the years with mm-hmm. uh, obviously being able to update games now. that's They have made some very sizable improvements to it, to what was originally out there, but... It's still not a, a very enjoyable game, I'm afraid. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it clearly did well enough. Uh, the Kickstarter clearly did well enough that they were able to use the 
the money that they got from that to then fund their next project, which was a traditional 2D platform with these characters. Mm-hmm. And that did really well. Yeah. Um, kind of harkening back to uh, last week's episode where we talked about like Sonic entering the 3D world. Um, yeah. I think 3D platformers are difficult. I think, as we've said before, Mario pulled it off. Um, yep. Because... Obviously they... didn't. No. Um, but I, I, I think... <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Um, I think Mario... Obviously couldn't pull anything no, off. No, no. Not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I mean, weirdly, I know it's kind of still talking about, like, Rare and all that, but, I mean, Crash did pretty well uh, as a 3D platform. Yeah, I but mean, I that, was, was... that was kind of pseudo-3D yeah, anyway. Exactly, was... exactly. It was kind of a half and half. And maybe that's kind of like what Mario's done. They've just... They've just kind of completely rewritten platforming, uh, but in yeah, a good for way. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there in were, a positive way. There were no <laughs> rules on 3D platforming, though, uh-huh. when Mario was there. No. There were examples of 3D platformers, unless you're talking about Croc, Legend of the Gobbos. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. That, that once... And, uh, uh, that, oh, dear. The, that, what's the that game that once used to be... Um, oh, Spyro. <laughs> No, not Spyro, but oh yeah, Spyro no, actually did it really well. Uh, no, the the it, gecko, yeah. the I've just blanked on him. <laughs> the, the what? Sorry. The gecko. Um. Uh, Gex. Gex. That's it. I don't know why I could not think of that. Uh, Gex was another Good one job. of those. I wanted to like it so bad, um, but it was terrible. No. It was terrible. Yeah. So, oh gosh, that, that I mean, era. so that that was an one. Yeah, I mean, I, right here it says that uh, by the twenty fourth of November in two thousand eighteen, the game had sold over a yep. million copies, and that's for ukulele. Um, that's yeah, a lot. I had heard that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. That's not even taking into account the amount of um, the amount of people who kickstarted it who would have got their copies. Yeah. Exactly. Just pure, exactly. Pure sales alone. That's mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. So um, they clearly did well enough to greenlit their sequel. Yeah. Uh, but, but it is it is yeah. strange uh, because I didn't enjoy it. But I'm one of those people. I hate uh, the cameras that are do their own thing, and I can't control yeah. them. And that's <laughs> I forget what that's called. Of but, but yeah. Uh, Resident Evil was famous for that back in the day. Um, I just, I hate them. Oh, what, the cinematic camera? Uh, yeah, where it kind of like does its own, it pulls back and, you know, does its oh, own yeah, thing. I hate and it's like, oh, or you run yeah, like diagonal across the screen and it's just like, what? Yeah, <laughs> that was that was an inherent problem with a lot of the early 3D platformers, the yes. hideous cameras, which is why I can't ever go back and play Mario 64. Yeah. Um, a hundred percent. Uh, yeah, I actually, um, uh, probably about three or four years ago, I tried it, uh, again, and it's still mm-hmm. terrible. I mean, it just is. Yeah. It just is. But so is, um, yeah, I and I'll get a lot of hate for it, but so is, uh, which link is it? The mask of Majora. The Majora's mask. Ah, uh, Majora's mask. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Yeah, it's just it's the same, you know. It's it's just too it, yeah. Long. It's a very early 3D thing. Yeah. Um, 
I, I will say that the story for Majora's Mask is much better than Ocarina of Time. I genuinely enjoy Majora's Mask more than I do. <laughs> do you really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, I it just is think more, that the three more... day time limit was great. I was gonna say it is more. Uh, uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I hate time limits in games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Do. I can't what, wait to see. Yeah, to exactly. One. Yeah, I can't wait to see how they do the Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> countdown oh i've i've seen that I've yeah seen that's that. the demo you played wasn't it that area yeah, yeah yeah they yeah they gave you an extra 15 <laughs> minutes so Holy it was half crap. an hour in total wow yeah, yeah. oh Just, my god yeah but the fight itself does take a lot longer Ugh. now yeah uh, we're we've veered away from that so we'll go back we'll, we'll yes <laughs> of we'll course away from sevens and we'll go up the number <laughs> scale to nines yes you know, yeah, um, I know exactly because we're where talking you're about going. the most famous Kickstarter there has oh, been. Oh gosh, yes, uh, come from the the mind of Keiji and Afune. Yeah, uh, most that's... Mega Man fans will know that guy very well. He created know Mega of Man. His name. <laughs> Lie. Um, <laughs> <coughs> sorry, um, he co-created Mega Man. Ah, yes. Um, but. His Kickstarter for the proto Mega Man, basically, mm-hmm. Mighty Number no. Nine, yes, which is still one of the most successful Kickstarters of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, I mean, I couldn't find an English amount for this, but three point eight million dollars. Wow. Yeah, I'm trying to think what that would be. I can't even. Can't even. It's rough. It's a lot. It's probably in today's money is probably just over two point eight million pounds. I reckon maybe yeah. just shy of three million. I reckon. Yeah, I, I, yeah, uh, that uh, sounds about right. I just want to check one thing. So, what do you make of this anyway? Um, which bit that it was a uh, successfully kickstarted or? Uh... Uh, well, how well they marketed the game on Kickstarter. <laughs> And um, how they managed to get all this money. I... That's... Well, that is the... God, I'm going to probably stick my foot right in my mouth. That's probably the only good thing that they did was... <laughs> the marketing. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. They forgot to make a game. <laughs> they did, yeah. Yeah, they put it all in marketing and then... Yep forgot they were supposed to make a game and yeah i think one of their worst mistakes was setting up another kickstarter whilst Uh, this kickstarter was still going on yeah which is um red ash which never got funded you you can't you just you can't do that i mean uh, i hate saying like oh you can't do this and that it's not wise it's not wise you need if if you're a studio you need to concentrate on one property um, oh, of course, especially a small-time studio like, um, oh, God. Exactly. L- like, like them, because mm-hmm. they're obviously they're kickstarting because KG and Afuni had decided to split off from Capcom, yeah. and create his own company with Concept, yeah, which so was bad. Oh dear, bad. Uh, I mean, yeah. The reason I think that the reason why this Kickstarter did so well was because Capcom were refusing to make Mega Man games time so yeah KG and Afune yeah. just went all right i'll make a mega man game then yeah to be fair that but not mega man yeah exactly like 
to be fair, yeah, everything was in place for a good, like, the timing couldn't have been better for him or for, you know, oh, yeah, this of course. particular game. Um, but I don't know where he dropped the ball. And I, I am I am saying him uh, as opposed to just, you know, all of com- concept. Um, but uh, they, they didn't, there's, it's, as it was referred to, it's charmless and full of poorly executed ideas <laughs> because it is, yeah. it's very, it's just not complete. It's just not complete. It's, it's, it's no, almost like a it's demo, not. a very long demo, um, but a yeah. demo of technology that's been around for years. You know, it's not a new take on an old genre, if that makes sense. Of course. Um, yeah, the uh, this type of game has been done many, many times before, obviously, mm-hmm. with uh, the large amount of Mega Man games that we got. Like, yeah. 2D platformers are nothing new, of course. Right, right. But they weren't really marketing themselves as being anything that original, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Yeah. They they were literally, I think, just relying on the Mega Man fans to come out in droves, yeah. and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. Yep, and I think... And, yep. mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think the name alone probably sold this yeah but then um, obviously it got found out that, that <laughs> most of the stuff that he did for Mega Man clearly wasn't yes what most people really appreciated because he was only part of a team but he yeah. pretty much solely took the credit for the whole thing yeah which, which is quite worrying and that is not a normal uh, action in uh, Japanese culture um, no. So it's all about teamwork and yeah, togetherness. And very much. Thing. And and you know, one person takes responsibility for the entire. Not, I mean, you know, like if when if, things muck up. Yeah, like if someone, you know, if someone below you, uh, you know, makes a mess, then you help them clean it. You know, it's it's yeah. a shared, a shared thing. Um, yeah, it's a shared responsibility when, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, you bait, you bask in each other's successes, but you also help each yes. other when you fail. Exactly. Um, so it, it, it was a very strange thing to, like, almost pull himself, you know, to spotlight himself. That's just not usually, you know, done. Uh, no. And then, yes, it sold, It you know, it got the game sold on, you know, Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but... You know, as we both said, it, there was nothing, there's no substance there. Uh, no. Lacked everything. Um, which is disappointing because Mega Man is such a legacy, you know? Um, yeah. And I mean, just just look at how it's obviously affected Capcom because yeah. Capcom came out and made loads of, like, made a couple of new Mega Man games as a result. Yeah. Um, they're doing all the collections, you know. It's wow. given Capcom a reason to go, okay, Inafune, you <laughs> left us. We're now going to make the real Mega Man. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then. Yeah, I think it was just a way to one up them, basically. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just disappointing because when, when things like that happen, whether it's games, movies, books, music, any media, um, it makes the next yeah. person a little bit more hesitant to back things. Um, of course. You know, which is what I think we're kind of running into now. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. completely disagree with me. You know, 
if you need to. Um, but I think there's almost sure. a crowdfunding fatigue. I mean, yeah, because between Patreon and uh, you know Kickstarter and the other one that yep. I just blanked out on, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, Indiegogo, GoFundMe, oh, yeah, uh, GoFundMe is the one I was thinking of. Um, yeah, anything that I've ever backed, and I have not backed much. Um, I think I've only backed yeah. four things in my entire life. They've sure. never been successfully executed ever. Yeah, I've um, I've only ever backed one thing, which happened to be a, a book for a tabletop role playing game. Ooh. Did that? Uh, it actually it it was successful, okay. which I was quite happy about because mm-hmm. it was um, it was using a game system that I was very familiar with, but it was all about um oh what's the genre it's um it's basically like mech games oh yeah 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 so it was a it it was a game that was based around big mechs and i i I thought it looked really interesting still haven't downloaded my copy of it (laughs) uh just kind of holding off or uh... couldn't be bothered couldn't be bothered yeah yeah (laughs) um but i've actually done a little bit of digging for you sure i'm quite because I I thought this was the case. Mm-hmm. I wanted to check my sources before I said it. Absolutely. There, there was a game that we met we haven't mentioned that would happen before Mighty Number no. Nine. Right. That went on to become one of the most successful, not the most successful Kickstarters of all time, but mm-hmm. one of the most successful games of all time. Really. Yep. Their original pledge was for five thousand right. dollars, and it made fifty-one thousand. Wow. That game uh-huh. was our game of the decade, Undertale. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> which would oh, make wow. complete sense. Yes. Now see, that's how you do it. <laughs> yep. You know you, they did very well with that. Yep. You 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 set your your you know limit kind of at a more realistic, and then get way more than you ever expected and you release good quality too right um, yeah. i mean the kickstarter page itself i'm looking at it now and mm-hmm. well it's really well done to be honest there's a uh-huh. really good brief overview of the story mm-hmm. there's nice about stuff talking about obviously who who toby fox is you oh know, yes what his inspirations are i didn't know this um yeah, obviously the uh, the Mother series is a huge inspiration, yeah. especially Mother 3. Absolutely. Uh, it says, Other have compared it to Cave Story, Shin Megami Tensei, Tuhu, and Homestruck. Huh. Or Homestuck, sorry. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, oh, those, those dog gifts are, are brilliant as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. Uh, but, yeah, I was just... I, I knew that was the case, I like, but I just wanted to check that. I mean, that was funded back in 2014, I believe. Wow. Has it been that long? I know. Ugh. Yeah. Well, um, another uh, game I was going to mention uh, that I did not back, but yeah, when it did come out, I followed it, but I didn't back yep. it. That would be, believe it or not, Obsidian. Of course. They put out Pillars of Eternity, which I think now they're on yeah. Pillars of Eternity too. And um, the, the only reason I didn't back it is because as much as I love Obsidian, I'm not a complete Obsidian fangirl. I didn't actually like the game. <laughs> and uh, yeah. 
people kept promising, oh, it's going to have the humor and everything. Um, yeah. But uh, they they were able to then do Pillars of Eternity 2. So yeah. it did quite well. In fact, it says uh, seventy, basically 74,000 backers pledged $3,900. Million. So basically $4, wow. million, $4 million. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, which kind of makes me think about uh, Outer Worlds. <laughs> Look, yep. I found a way to bring it into the conversation. Of course you did. Um, and Obsidian. Uh-huh. And Bethesda. I did it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, Outer Worlds, it, it got sold. Um, or uh, two, what are they called? Two, take Two? Take Two owns it. Uh, and... Private Division, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, private division are sort it, of a subsidiary yeah, of Take, Take Two. Two, right? And uh, and of course, I think Obsidian now belongs to Microsoft. They do. Um, they were bought out like a couple of years ago. Yeah, like right in the middle of of this, and um, hmm. it it does make me think like if Obsidian had crowdsourced Outer Worlds, would we have had a successful game and? perhaps a, a um, sequel in the works. Not, not that the game wasn't successful. It was. Um, it was very successful. Mm. But, uh, you know, if they do come out with a sequel, it won't be the original team, which is what made it so great. Of course. So... Um, I don't necessarily think so. I think the Microsoft acquisition definitely put the, the yeah. hampers into that. But I, I'm i going to throw an, 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 a theory towards you sure. on this one. Uh, had it not been for the 3.9 million of Pil- Pillars of Eternity, mm-hmm. is it possible that they wouldn't have even had a budget to make right. the Outer Worlds? That is actually a very good point. Um, ooh, that is actually a good point. Now that's that's another you know pro for uh, uh, crowdsourcing because you're absolutely right. That brought yeah. attention back to Obsidian, who had let's not lie, they had fallen into obscurity after. The of mess course. that was uh, Fallout New Vegas, which is my favorite game, but it was a mess um, when it first came it out. It was a mess because it was a buggy mess. It but was a I, buggy, buggy mess. Um, it was also Bethesda that kind of absolutely screwed them over. Oh, let's be definitely, honest. definitely. A um, lot better marketing could have gone into it. A lot better uh, production time. You know the usual Bethesda complaints. Yeah. I'm just thinking about that point. That half a point on the metacritic that meant that none of them got a bonus yeah yeah oh like i thought was absolutely bring it exactly um yeah so you know after that they they basically fallen into obscurity um you know uh and then when they did pillars of eternity that brought them back into the yeah you know forefront and then they were able to come out with outer worlds which yeah i think your mm-hmm. theory absolutely holds water um so yes crowdsourcing can be used to either bring back older you know game creators or yeah. in the case of you know uh the mighty nine <laughs> destroy them yeah (laughs) yeah for sure yeah because i mean i know concept have been bought by way forward right yeah um so that's clearly not affected them that badly that kickstarter Uh, because they've got backing from a big company now yeah or bigger company although it kind of helped them really i was gonna say it 
probably if the Kickstarter had been successful, as in they produced a successful game. Uh, yeah. I don't think they would have got bought over by another company. No, know? I reckon it was probably they were scouting yeah. around to, to get an investment from somewhere because mm-hmm. the game had spectacularly failed and the amount of marketing that they'd put into doing the Red Ash Kickstarter mm-hmm. that eventually didn't get funded. Yeah. Um, the debacle with the physical editions of Mighty Number no. 9 probably didn't help that either. Yeah. That probably cost them a fair amount of money of that Kickstarter money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, uh... I mean, it, it's like, it's a double-edged sword situation, really. It can either work completely in your favour, yes. like it has done with Undertale, Wonderful 101, and um, a few other properties like mm-hmm. Pillars of Eternity. Yeah. But can also be your undoing. Absolutely. It could be, it could be, it could basically leave you out to pasture because they just do not want to touch your property with mm-hmm. with a barge pole. Yeah. Because you're literally in it just to make money. Yeah. Um, which actually made me think about uh, another couple of games that we'll mention. Um, uh, now, these were released on Steam, but some of them were crowdfunded, um, which was, sure. of course, Rust. Um, oh, then... Rust is one of the biggest ones, and yeah. I hear loads of people talking about that. Yeah. Um, and then the one with the dinosaurs that I've just The one with the dinosaurs? On. Yeah. I'm so bad. Uh, it, survivor game with dinosaurs, but not Ark. Okay. Uh, let me do a little looky here. It's terrible. It is awful. Uh, Dinosaur Hunter. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's terrible. And of uh, it was crowdfunded, and then the developers disappear. <laughs> so oh. there's like a US server and a European server, and I want to say another server, and uh, they yeah. just left left them and yeah i've heard that a lot as well about people just there's uh, an interesting youtuber um by the name of slope he does a lot of stuff on youtube with uh kickstarter fails mm-hmm. and it's not just for games it's to do with like other inventions and stuff like that and indiegogo like stuff where people have just uh put projects up and mm-hmm. got a certain amount and just cut and run yeah yeah um, uh, so it, well, yeah, the, it's a weird one. That's like also uh, the forest, uh, which the forest is a weird one in the way that um, Subnautica is kind of weird. They started yeah. as one thing, and yep. actually they both started as it's kind of the same thing: survival uh, yep. know, games, um, and then through backers and and stuff like that it evolved into something completely different um yeah and i don't know how god it, it's weird because you don't usually see the dev process um and then you yeah. know well, take subnautica as, as a perfect example but sure. forced as well is the same basically the same exact story which is uh, they release what's called a beta, uh, and if you don't know, that's just a kind of unofficial release of of a sure. game. Yeah, 
we all know them quite well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know enough about them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's very lucky to be invited into a beta, but uh, it depends on the game. Um, yeah. So the beta for Subnautica and for The Forest was extremely long. And that's where they develop things. They build out stories. They add assets and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then they may release, you know, the the true copy. Um, and that form of the game would be one thing. And like with Subnautica, it was strictly a craft and build game. Uh, so quite like Minecraft then. Yeah, it was it was Minecraft underwater. Is what it, really what it was. Okay. Hundred thousand yeah. percent. That is exactly what it was. Uh, and then. Uh, you got Let's Players, like, we'll say Jacksepticeye. He was probably the biggest influence, but also, uh, what's-his-face, Loudmouth. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, PewDiePie? No, not PewDiePie, the other one, Markiplier. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, they both were very influential in the changing of the game. The game then added stories, like a storyline, yeah. based on, on them. Not based sure. on them, but just based on their, you know, their interactions and their playing, uh, you know, their let's oh, of plays. Course, yeah. <clears throat> and in fact, they both have Easter eggs in the game. Um, yeah. But that kind of, I don't know how I feel about it because Subnautica, the end product, is a very enjoyable game. I like it. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I would have liked what it was initially. Oh, but okay. It's so far from the uh, original idea yep that you have to wonder like like if you were to back that what would you be backing would you be backing their original idea or what it became you know what i'm saying it's it's very it's it, very yeah i i do see what you mean it's a very dicey game is yeah like because you could back the game in its early alpha basically mm -hmm. when when you like the look of the game, and mm -hmm. then it could, like, by the time the beta comes out, it's completely different. Absolutely, and then absolutely. The, and, then the, and then the final retail release, or whatever, could be completely different from there. So, mm -hmm. if you know, you might be stuck with your with your backing uh, with a game that you just have no interest in playing, or exactly. a film that you might want to watch, or a book you don't want to read, because... Mm -hmm the plot or the the visuals or the general concept has completely changed over the years yeah and so it's it's a very weird one i can get sort of where people might sort of be a bit annoyed by that yeah it's it's got so when it comes to crowdsourcing it's got good points um but it's got not so good points and uh yeah i i think you have to when you yourself are investing uh you have to kind of weigh out like do you hold on to your money and buy from a big publisher something that you yeah. know exactly what it's going to be? Like, yeah. let's, let's be honest, we knew what Red Dead 2 was going to be when it dropped. Um, yeah, I mean, Call of Duty, we know yeah, what uh, exactly yeah. you're going to get most of the time on you. Yes, exactly. Absolutely perfect example. Uh, you know, you throw your money at a Call of Duty game, you know where you're getting. Um, yeah. But you go going, you know... Any of the crowdsourcing, crowdfunding games. Uh, yeah. What is it? The, the Neighbor one? I don't remember if that was crowdsourced. Oh, Hello Neighbor. Hello Neighbor, yeah. Um, I don't remember if that was crowdsourced, but 
Um, one one of the ones that was crowdsourced that I'm 100% certain about that ended up getting ruined mm-hmm. was We Happy Few. Yes, that's, yes, that's perfect example of, yes, of what I'm trying to say. We Happy Few, their demo that they released to get backer, backers was intriguing and it looked great it looked yeah it looked great it was just very different or felt you know very different from what was out there yeah um and then and a big publisher came in and bought them yep and and ruined the game everything yeah it's yeah put microtransactions in the game microtransactions the story turned into something that is so not even believable um, yeah, and it was also a glitchy, buggy mess. Yeah. Despite having a huge backing on Kickstarter and uh-huh. the backing of a big publisher. Yeah. Um, yeah, because the, the, suddenly the devs were under this huge pressure that you know, they weren't used to. Because they're new, yeah. new devs. Um, and, mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, th- that's the exact perfect example of what uh, I'm trying to get across mm. is always be mindful that it might look good <laughs> when you first look at it, uh, yeah. but it may not end up that way. So sure. I think that having a kind of balance of self-publishing and crowdsourcing with the big publishers is good yep. as long as one doesn't have monopoly over the entire thing. And that goes for either side. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll I'll put a hypothetical question to you and the audience on this one before we move on to our listener questions. Sure. So I don't want I I may want an answer from you, but I do want the answer from the um, from our audience. So if you get in touch with us, we'll give you all the contact details at the end. Yes. Um, If THQ Nordic Mm. were to put up a Kickstarter for Time Splitters Four, (laughs) would you back it immediately? Oh wow. That's a good question, guys. Y'all have got to answer that one because I want to know. Um, I, yeah, I would immediately. I, I'd probably, I'd probably go at the highest tier I could. Do you really think so? I absolutely love Time Splitters. Oh, Time Splitters is great. Um, yeah, that's what I said. Time Splitters four. If they were to kickstart that, yeah, would you I be mean, in? Nordic THQ. They, they're kind of, they're not doing so great lately. What they've put put out. Uh, they play some all right games. Yeah, uh, the, mostly. The yeah. reason why they're not doing so well is because they kept buying properties. Yes, uh, I think <laughs> you're heading into the the territory I wanted to discuss, which is yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Saints Row um, Four. Was, oh yeah, they bought that from Volition and yeah, they did totally changed it from top yeah. to bottom and then also released a couple of dlcs and stuff that were terrible. oh yeah because i got out of the hell yep. get out of yes which, which is terrible it, no it's terrible I hope good things about it the only good things is the humor um because it's so okay. absurd and outlandish but no it's, it's that's just normal saints row though well yeah except there's fun things about saints row but not okay. get out of hell but yes um I, I would be a little bit more hesitant. I would want to read a little bit more and see how they do. <laughs> of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, but there, I would there love was a for them to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would love for them I to mean, do I mean, I don't want to support THQ Nordic with a Kickstarter. Right. But that sort of just shows how desperate I would be for a Time Splitters <laughs> 4. 
absolutely. Oh, you Look, should... we had that. Co- we had all that concept art that came out a few oh. years ago, and I was I was jazzed about it. I was so happy to see it, and then yeah, poof, it was gone. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, so disappointed, but yeah. anyway, yeah. <laughs> we will move on to our list of questions. So, yeah, Which... we will give you all the contact details in a bit to be able to get in touch with us about the hypothetical times, but it's four. Absolutely. Because so, it would be good. But Yeah, it would be. Man, this week, our listener questions through the roof. It was amazing. So there were so many that we're going to have to default some of them to next week. I love it. It's awesome. And they're so good. Yeah. They're just really They are good. brilliant questions. So oh, Love it. I think I think we'll start with this one from Andre at sure. Cool So, uh, yeah, unusual Twitter handle there, but yeah. very cool. Um, he is oh actually gosh. one of our writers and one of the. I'm uh... such a dummy. I didn't know that's a cool slot. <laughs> yeah. So Andre is one of our writers he and is, also yes. the co-host of the Gaming FYX podcast. Woo-hoo. Um, one of one of six. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is to do with Media Molecules Dreams, which yes. came out this week. So Media Molecules Dreams released last week on PS4. What celebrity creator would you want to see make a project in Dreams? E.g. Jack Black, Hideo Kojima, Peter Jackson, etc. That's a great question, because Dreams, mm-hmm. I got uh, a brief moment to play that at EGX Res last year. Yes. It's very interesting, and I, I like the look of the game. Mm-hmm. It's just I'm not the overly creative type, so... <laughs> It's not the game for me, but some of the stuff that I've seen being made on that game looks ridiculous. Um, yeah, uh, I love the uh, just the the full. It's just it's very artistic. It's very creative. And, yeah, you know, as you said, and um, I. It's insane how many mm-hmm. people are making full games out of a game. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, um, every few years there, there's always a game that comes along that is a you know like the rpg maker you know this like yeah yeah but this one is it's so in depth and um yeah I've, i mean it, it came out this this last week gone but mm-hmm. it actually came out on my birthday on the 14th which ah, is quite great. cool yes but it's been in early access for probably about two years mm-hmm. so a lot of people have had the tool set there mm-hmm. for quite a while when if they obviously got in uh, early access level yeah so they've had a lot of time to play around with this but uh some of my favorite things that i've seen in there was dead space mm-hmm. the recreation of dead space one right that looked insanely good <laughs> and the uh the concept of mario uh a 3d mario game mm-hmm. which looks quite amazing apart from the fact that we're using 64 assets uh, yeah <laughs> well, the sound effects, let's just say yeah um i but yeah. to answer the question what mm-hmm. do you reckon who's who's your ideal person that you want to make want someone to make a project in dreams see i i would i would almost go like outside of the the usual mm-hmm. you know video game creators um, yeah, I'm. I think I'm with you on that one. Yeah, um, I I would like to see. I mean, I don't. God, I'm so kind of burned out right now on mainstream media. Uh, I'm such a hipster. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of kind of indie artists. I would like to see their take on it, or um, even indie, uh, you know, musicians. 
Yep. To make videos to go along. Oh, yeah. To make video music videos. Um, sure. Because there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of... No, I know who would be perfect. The sure. band called Alt-J. I don't know. Okay. They... The guy that's uh, that heads it, I think he's on the spectrum, but he thinks yep. in very much similar the way I do. He thinks in shapes. Yeah. He thinks in colors. Um, his videos, okay. they take you on a wild adventure, and his music is just, it's techno, kind of more techno than anything. Sure. Um, uh, oh, yeah. Alt-J for me. I would love to see Alt-J. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. I have two. Mm-hmm. And that's, that might be a bit greedy, but hear me out. <laughs> yeah, I'll mainly wanna, because they're a bit two different themes. Okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah. So one one of them's a music theme. Sure. And one of them is a movie theme. Ooh. So my music theme, mm-hmm. because this particular band love, they have branched out into other forms of media as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I the lead singer has created comic books. Right. I'd love to see what Coed and Cambria would do with oh, this. Oh, yes. With their, their music and visual style. Yes, yes. That would be quite awesome if they had to had their music mm-hmm. playing over the top of like oh. one of their really intricate story concept albums. Absolutely. That would be quite cool to see. Yeah. I could have also said Dream Theater in I, that I, one. I, really. I thought you Scenes were going from to. A memory. <laughs> but, I mean, Scenes from a Memory would be amazing to see in Dream because oh, that okay. story is massively complex and mm-hmm. really unusual. It it skips like different time periods and all that. Yeah. And, oh gosh. Uh, yeah. That would be amazing. But I, I decided to go with Code and Cambria mainly because of the other influences in other mediums. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that Cl- uh, Claudio would actually probably do most of the artwork himself. Yeah. So that would be quite cool to see. That However, cool. my mm-hmm. my film based mm-hmm. one. Yes. I don't think this is going to surprise too many people. Mm-hmm. Imagine Tarantino I making something I, in Dreams. I knew it. I knew it. I know you too well. <laughs> I'm sitting there you biting do. my tongue going, he's going to say Tarantino. He's going to say Tarantino. <laughs> yes, because he's got a really unique style and uh, also because he makes different kinds of genre movies. Yeah. We were, remade, remade Hill Bill or something like that in Dreams. We were uh, talking about Tarantino uh, earlier in the week. <laughs> For anyone who we were, um, but yeah, no, I, I could. I, it's very, it's very interesting. Uh, I would almost, I would be curious enough. I would like to see something by Tarantino and see what he sure. would do with it. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Imagine, yeah. well, mismatched. Well, if he took, you know, mm-hmm. his, uh, his movie universe itself. Mm-hmm. You know that hypothetical universe that mm-hmm. he always talks about. Yeah. Imagine if he put all of that into dreams. Wow. Oh wow, uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, that would be cool. So you'd, oh, you'd that see would like, be certain cool. characters like certain characters mm-hmm. watching like Django Unchained. Yeah. In dreams. In dreams, yeah. Whilst they're like doing their own thing. Yeah. That would just cool. be weird as hell and so meta, but I, I would love to see that. That's what they should have called it, just meta, because that's all that's going to be. <laughs> it's just going to be bunches <laughs> of self-referential uh, artists being in there. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, it will be. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to be see oh, some yeah. of the stuff. I, I, I mean, what we've already got is insanely cool. Yeah. There'll be more stuff that comes out now that it's on wider release. Definitely. So, 
do you want to take this question from at Mike Romanic? I sure will. Um, so Mike Romanic uh, asks, what's the likelihood of Nintendo announcing a Switch successor after the PS5 and Xbox SX announcements have been made? So what do you think? Because I already know what I think. <laughs> Short answer, no. Yeah, okay. Okay. Um, my my reasoning is, mm-hmm. um, I have been a Nintendo fan for a very very. Yes. To the point where I've seen them play the uh, the graphics war with uh, <laughs> th- with Sega and Sony and all that and. Yeah. The the Super Nintendo wasn't as powerful as the Mega Drive, but right. the games library itself pretty much defeated that. Yeah. Um. They ruined their relationship with Square because, of, and now Square Enix, because of the fact that they refused to move over to a different medium for the N64. And a little-known fact: the GameCube is actually more powerful than most of the uh, most of that generation's consoles. Yes, everyone thinks it's the Xbox, but it is not. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was their stupidity of using their own format that ruined that for them because they couldn't store so much data on their disks. Yes. Uh, ever since then, they've basically essentially gone, we're just going to do our own thing. They kind of have in the mm-hmm. handheld market. They have done in the in the home console market now since the Wii. They've just done their own thing and they've left the the other players just to do that, just to, to battle it out and continue this faux console war with mm-hmm. graphics and teraflops that we're going to be talking about over the next coming yeah. six to eight months yeah um so like i said short answer no i don't think a switch successor a switch pro or a more beefed up mm-hmm. uh switch with a tegra x2 or whatever <laughs> is gonna gonna happen mainly because i don't think they want to cannibalize their own sales um, I am actually in agreement with you. Uh, probably not a big surprise, though. Um, no. uh, because it's it's also no for me, which is basically for the same reasons, which they don't have to compete. They're not, and they know they're not competition for the PS5 or the Xbox SX. Um, yeah. Which is so difficult to say. I wish they'd change that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but they have been since the switch was released their biggest uh plus has been the the games library um they're back absolutely having an incredibly strong and varied and large library and that's where their strength lies and whoever's in charge of their diplomacy at the moment is doing great because they're repairing all their old relationships which is really good to see um Mm. And I, I just don't, I don't think they feel the pressure uh, or the need to release a yeah. stronger, you know, uh, performing machine. Of course. Um, the precedent set with this was the Wii. Mm-hmm. Look at how, um, how they weren't really courting as many of the big third parties. They yeah. had downgraded ports from certain games, you know, mm-hmm. they had a couple of FIFA games and all yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, that's very true. there was never once where they turned around and said, right, we need to have a slightly beefed up version of the right. of the Wii mm-hmm. to compete with the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Yeah. 
Um, if anything, it was those two consoles that then decided to piggyback off the Wii success with motion yeah. control. That's yes, yeah, that's exactly it. And um, I would say that motion controls in both the PS and the Xbox are not great. No, they were terrible. Never cared for either. I mean, the PlayStation Move has had a resurgence with the fact that those Move controllers do use the, uh, are used with PSVR. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, think that if if that hadn't been the case, I don't think that, I think that Move would have gone the way of uh, whatever Xboxes was called that I've now forgotten. Connect. Connect, that was it. Stupid words with their misspellings. <laughs> Yeah, they took. They definitely took the the page out of Mortal Kombat's book there, didn't yeah. they? I guess it was supposed to be like kinetic, you know. Kinetic yeah, energy, I guess you're maybe, right. And then, yeah. oh god, stop! It's terrible, that. though. Yes, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm absolutely in agreement. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing is, is that most people think that just raw power alone is what sells consoles. It doesn't. No, no. I yeah. It's. No. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you have a good infrastructure, a decent UI, and a great selection of games, I think that's yes. mostly where you're going to get your sales from. I mean, and and uh, you know, but <laughs> if you were to look from the outside, you'd probably call me an Xbox fan girl, uh, but I'm not really. Uh, but mm. the Xbox uh, Xbone, the latest one, uh, yeah, it never. There, there's very, very few games on it that realize the full extent of its hardware. Um, no, absolutely not. Yeah, and I, I don't, I can't understand why. Uh, I, I mean, I know maybe it was a development thing. Like Fallout Four was in development before the Xbox One, you know, <clears throat> was announced, and then in the middle of uh, development, they dropped it. So then they had to. Um, you know, go back, rewrite things, but you know, we all know they did not upgrade the engine whatsoever. Um. Yeah, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because mm-hmm. say I was going to say something about it eventually, but I thought I'd let you just rant for a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that that's kind of been my whole strike against the Xbone is that they didn't have the games library and the properties that they did have or do have mm. rather they have never really utilized the full extent of the power that's there. Um, whereas, you know, with the Switch, not, you know, maybe not as powerful, but you can play whatever, basically whatever you want. Because you can play Witcher, you can play, uh, yep. you know, a Mario game, you can play an old Mario game. Oh, just, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's not that's not taken into account that certain games on, on the system itself, on the, on the Switch, mm-hmm. look fantastically good. Yeah. Because... I mean, Luigi's Mansion 3 is one of the most beautiful-looking games of this entire generation. It's on the Switch. Yeah. You yes. know, it's what they're able to do with that limited hardware mm-hmm. means that I think um, publishers, developers are, have to get more creative. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think having just raw power alone is, is kind of stifling creativity in a sort of respect. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but we'll see, obviously, because you say that games are not haven't really utilized the power of the Xbox. They they have really, but it's only when the um, the Xbox One X came out that they were starting yeah. to actually ha- harness that sort of raw power. I would I would agree with that absolutely. Yeah. So it's mm. it's not always about power. It's about no. the experience you get. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. That's why you can okay. still play uh, old ROMs and enjoy them. <laughs> yep. It's like I was, um, I've mentioned on numerous occasions, I mm -hmm. can go back in Mario World anytime because it is a perfect game. Absolutely. Near well, near, near perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like, okay. this, I like this next question. I do too. So um, this comes to us courtesy of Thomas at LlamaFluff42 on Twitter. Has Cabri peaked? <laughs> Are they just tinkering now without any big new ideas? I accept this question is controversial and may require a whole episode of its own. Uh, We're not going to have a whole episode, but we will have a good discussion about it. Yes, because I'm an American and... Uh, being born and raised in America, <laughs> we have nah. one one official Cadbury product that comes out once a year. Yep. Around Which Easter, is. and it was the Cadbury cream eggs. Now, what? these were made in America, and they were terrible, that, and I hated them. That would be why they suck. Then they were awful, and I didn't understand. I, I don't know. I just didn't like them. It was waxy. It was just. Oh, overly sweet and uh, uh, uh. so my but, idea of Cadbury was not good and yeah. then in 2009 I made my first trip to the UK mm -hmm. and I had my first Cadbury bar of chocolate oh good and my world changed <laughs> yep oh my gosh uh, chocolate over here it's Especially Cadbury. It's so good. And then I just, I can't say enough about it. It's just, it's so good <laughs> if you're an American. Yeah. And you can get your hand on some actual Cadbury. Now, uh, when I went back home, uh, I did find an import store. I had to pay kind of higher prices, but it's worth yep. it, guys. I'm not kidding you. Cadbury chocolate is uh, freaking amazing. And I love chocolate. Um, it well, it used to be. Well, see now. Here's where here's where the dis discussion is going to get good. As I flip it over to uh, your uh, resident Englishman, um, <laughs> because <laughs> Cadbury changed owners uh, a few years yes. ago. I think it's an yep. American company that owns it. Yep, Kraft. Uh, Kraft. Okay. Oh god. And they're just terrible. And then I think they moved the factory even. Uh, to another place. I, I believe so, but I can't 100% yeah. confirm that. And um, I, I just remember people being very, very upset about that. But uh, as an American who never had the wonderful, beautifulness that is Cadbury growing up, I still love it. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. But that's because you're, you're yes. only an adopter. Like, yes, yes. So. You merely adopted the Cadbury <laughs> and was born in it. <laughs> raised by it i was born in it. <laughs> that, yeah i'm glad you got the reference because that yes. was what i was going for oh very good uh, i love cadbury i used to love cadbury let's mm -hmm. just say um i do still eat regularly their chocolate but their quality has dipped since the craft takeover it took a couple of years for that to happen that, but it's yeah. it has now taken effect but the That's one thing I will say that has changed about Cadbury for the better is the use of other different uh, confectionery companies to include in, in their chocolate bars. So yeah, I saw... Di dime bars, Oreos, all that. I, saw, I was going to say, I saw Oreos in one. 
That's so good. It's so good. I can't eat Oreos. I do love it. Oh, I want to. What is wrong with you? I, I can't eat wheat. And it sucks. Oh, okay. I'll, like, fine. I'll let, fine. Yeah, I'll let, let that you one go. <laughs> to them. Yeah. But believe okay. me, I do. I see that those Cadbury eggs with Oreos and I'm like, if I just clear my schedule tonight, I can have one. <laughs> but I've never, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Um, Look, it's, it's worth that pain, honestly. Oh, it. yeah. Sometimes it is. I mean, especially if it's chocolate. But <laughs> yeah. See, well, it, what? That is my biggest weakness when it comes to any oh, food is chocolate. Mine like, I could too. sniff, I oh. literally could sniff some chocolate and put five pounds on. Oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am crazy about chocolate. Uh, I wasn't like, I didn't really care. Like back, back in the U.S., I ate Snickers and Reese's. Reese's being my favorite, um, and that was it. That was like the extent of. I just didn't care. It just yeah. wasn't that good. And then I came Fair here. Enough. Now, here's a crazy thing for any U.S. listeners out there. Sure. They have, so you've got your Cadbury bars, which are would be like our Hershey bars or our Nestle bars, mm. just your pure chalk milk chocolate. Yep. But then you guys do something weird to them, put them through machines or something, and mm. turn them into things like twirls yeah. and twists. And oh, twirls are great it's so weird to me because it's it's the same chocolate it's just been f- formed in a different shape and put air into it and it tastes yeah, flake. it tastes flakes flakes are my it's... favorite oh my flakes gosh. are good flakes are, are my you... absolute favorite the first experience i ever had with flake was getting one um with an ice cream yes an ice cream <laughs> that's what they how they the sell old them here yep yep, yep. That, I, you know what? That's probably yeah. That's probably my first experience with the flake was getting an ice cream here. And, oh, that's uh, so good. Oh. I do love flake. But it's they so, just they're just so messy though. They are very messy. But see, that's what's so funny is it's just Cadbury chocolate just done a different way. <laughs> and uh, that has just blown my mind since I got here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, if you're an American and you're out there and you can get to an import store, try Cadbury's and not the Cadbury eggs that are coming out are probably out now. Uh, those are terrible. <laughs> they they are very gross. That, that feeling is absolutely disgusting, oh, and they, I'm sorry if I've they, offended it, but I I just can't stand them. The American version's even worse because um, it's made with oh god, what do y'all call that here? Oh, you call it golden syrup. Um, yeah, it's made with golden syrup instead of sugar yeah and so it's like sweet times a million mm. but not yeah, in a good no, way thanks. yeah it's too much too sweet Ugh. yeah yeah so um i'm gonna ask a weird question here sure during halloween mm-hmm. did you ever get eggs as a kid i didn't i didn't get egged as a kid no but did I, you do the egging <laughs> i i didn't i didn't officially do it but i was around people that were doing it okay Imagine if someone started egging houses with, with Capri <laughs> cream eggs. That would suck, wouldn't it? Oh my gosh, I think that would be harder to clean than regular eggs. Um, but yeah, they- it would be worse as well because you'd have to literally have them in your house, but like from April to October, yes. just yeah. just to get to that point. Exactly. And then imagine like all the neighborhood dogs like running over <laughs> to it, trying to like yeah. lick your house. <laughs> <laughs> like no it's no. chocolate it's bad for you don't do it 
Mm, yeah, that's not oh, good. Oh. So, shall we come back onto the actual question? Um, so, oh, have yes. they peaked? <laughs> um, well, as uh, like as an American, for me, they haven't, but only because this is still a new, a brave new world for me. Whereas, yeah, that's fair for you me. The Englishman, yes, <laughs> they've been a they've been a staple of British culture for many many years. I, I've seen the decline. Yes, they've done some good stuff with the the old dime bars, you know, mm-hmm. included in them. You know, little bits of dime bars. Nothing, that's just brilliant. I look, I love dime bars as well, so that mm-hmm. was perfect. Yeah, uh, the Oreo one is also very good. Oh, but God, yes. oh. other than that, uh, I can't see them. I, I can't see where the next big idea is going to come from. Um, I, I just you, worry that they're sort of just resting on their laurels. Well, let me ask you this before we close out for the day. Sure. Now, I've stated before to you off mm-hmm. air and here that, you know, Reese's are my favorite. Reese's are chocolate filled with peanut butter. Which is which gross. horrifies a lot of people on this side of the pond, which is hilarious to me. A lot of people yeah. over here don't like uh, peanut butter. Um, or they oh, there's see lots it, of people who love peanut butter over here. But it's almost seen as more of a uh, savory as opposed to a sweet, whereas in America it's sweet. Um, yeah, sure. Of course, we do add tons of sugar to it. But uh, so peanut butter and chocolate, wonderful combination for me. Do you think Cadbury sure. will ever approach peanut butter with its I chocolate? Hope, I really hope they don't. <laughs> But I mean, if they did, mm-hmm. fine. They might have already done that. I don't really know. I, I, uh, it's not the thing that I'm really looking at in the tour, to be honest. I, I have seen, um, since I've been over here, uh, I don't know any of the candy trends that are happening back on the shores of the US. Although mm. I did say, I did see a peanut butter filled Twinkie at a stand at the Dublin Comic Con. That is still gross. Imported from America. I didn't have any desire to even try that. Um, but um, I did see Twix over here yeah. that's made with peanut butter. So okay. I am wondering if peanut butter is going to start making its uh, presence more known in the. It's highly. It is highly possible because we do actually start. We have started selling Reese's over here. I saw. It's there's only one store here that I can find it at, but oh. Oh, they sell them in like Morrison's and Tesco's. We don't have Morrison's, but we do have Tesco's. So. Yeah, I'm sure they sell them in Tesco's now, yeah, especially that's, the big yeah. They do. They they sell the uh, the ones around Christmas and around Easter as well, which is what I grew yeah. up on. So I'm like, yes. <laughs> well, I know what to send you for your birthday. Oh then. my gosh! A yeah. stack load of Reese's. Yes, yes, and then I would just die <laughs> the next day. Yeah, going to diabetic coma. <laughs> Yeah, it seems likely, but um, I, I know it's not anything to do with Cadbury. But you mentioned Twix, and mm-hmm. there, but like there is literally only one way to go when it comes to Twix, and that's white Twix. I again, I can't eat Twix anymore, but I love white chocolate. Is it white chocolate covering them? Yep. Oh, yep. Oh, it's my delicious. Gosh. I bet it is. Oh. Oh, they're so good. Yes, they're so good. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our chocolate podcast. <laughs> well, that, could, that could get very dodgy very quickly. <laughs> Talking about white and dark chocolate. Uh, and the segregation. I love, I love all chocolate. 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of all chocolate. All shades of chocolate. I love it all. But there's no there's no segregation when it comes to my no, chocolate. No, not at all. Uh, except no. I will segregate chocolate from fruit, which is something Cadbury does do. They do some bar that has get, like fruit in it. Look, get out. No. Get out. No. No Dairy chocolate covered. No. Is, is good. No. no. Dairy milk fruit nut is good. It's no. good. No. It's good. I don't like that or chocolate covered raisins. <laughs> nah, they're nice. No. Chocolate covered peanuts. I like that. <laughs> they're also nice. Yes. That's that like, sweet and saltiness. Yeah, that's like peanut butter if you chew it up a whole bunch and really fast. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ugh. All right. Okay, and on that sticky <laughs> note. I think we can end this episode, this late night sure. episode. Uh, yes. We are very glad you have joined us again. We love that you join Always. us every week. Um, and thank you guys so much for your feedback. Uh, it keeps us going. Um, and uh, always feel free to uh, comment on anything, rate, subscribe, all that good social media stuff. Because yep. we don't advertise, um, you know, like seriously advertise payment pay nice. money and stuff so yep. just word of mouth is great and it, it does a wonder uh for us it, but it helps a, a massive amount when you do share and like yes. comment all that all that good stuff yes 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 um of course right. yeah if you want to um go check out the reviews for this week uh head over to www.rapidreviewsuk.com or uh, our Twitter, which is at Rapid Reviews UK, which mm-hmm. is Rapid Reviews Twitter, or the yeah. podcast Twitter, which is at RR Radio Pod. And yep. where might they find you? Well, I'm only on Twitter because yes. I don't use those other platforms, those boomer platforms. <laughs> um, but you can find me on, on there at Pete Beckett One. Oh, where can I find you? I am also on the Twitters um, at Kylie Tegreet, which is K-I-L-A-Y-T-E-H-G-R-E-E-T. And yep. I'm just Twittering whatever crap vomits from my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I find your Twitter thread very interesting because you're, you know, talking about the autism yeah. stuff and uh, I like it when you know, the, all uh, that sort of thing and your convention stuff is oh, yeah. very interesting to read as well convention stuff's on there and then a lot of the autistic community we have discussions and um it's always just good for the general public to see that um but rapid reviews uk has a facebook so you can check them out over there yeah Um, oh i forgot one more you Uh, have i have um so you can also find us at our email address uh, you can send us questions or comments or uh, answer the question Pete asked earlier, and because mm-hmm. we would absolutely love to hear that. Um, absolutely, we can talk about it in next ep. But that is found at podcast at rapidreviewsuk.com. Indeed. And that leaves send anything to us there. Yeah, definitely. Um, that leaves one more thing to wrap up. Sure. So, uh, um. Just to preface this, sure. uh, I am going to send you an image, but I need to okay. find the image. Oh, great. Okay. So let me just I'll find the image I'll do a little dance. Quickly. Look, I'm doing a dance to distract everyone. <laughs> this is an audio medium, Carly. They can't see you. So. 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> let me just let me just copy this mm -hmm. uh, image for you. Sorry, just this is really bad. Like radio. Bad I'm radio. Sorry. <laughs> I absolutely apologise for this, but oh. this kind of needs to be seen. Oh goodness! So I'll tell you the fact, and then I'll I'll send this out to you. Oh, this will be so, interesting. Uh, this is this is to do with Super Smash Brothers Melee. Right. Okay. Uh, did you know that the Princess Daisy trophy had a mysterious third eye on the back of its head? What? No. <laughs> and there you go. Have a look. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is creepy, guys. isn't it? Yep. You guys need to go have a look at that. Princess Daisy's third eye. <laughs> once the episode goes live, I'll give it about 24 hours and I'll pop it on oh, there for you. That is great. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.